This is the Metal Set. Hi, this is Dawn, an ultra cyclist and sports PR specialist. And I'm Afshan, an endurance athlete and journalist. And we're on a quest to bring you stories of tenacity, courage, and metal. From athletes in the Middle East and beyond. Hello everyone, Dawn here. Things are busy, busy, busy. There are so many sporting events happening here in the United Arab Emirates and in the wider region that it's hard to keep track. One event that we're super excited to see roll into Abu Dhabi for its second edition is the Mubadla Abu Dhabi Open, which is taking place the 3rd to the 11th of February at the International Tennis Center, Zayed Sports City. We are speaking to one of the stars of the event, and no, it's not Ans Jabor. This star has played an instrumental role off the court and behind the scenes of this star-studded event. Vicky Gunnarsson is the Senior Director, Global Partnerships and Business Development for IMG Tennis Events. And it's just not the Mubadla Abu Dhabi Open that Vicky has played a key role in developing, among many others, and perhaps most interesting for us, is Vicky's role in bringing the WTA event, the Jasmine Open, to Tunisia in 2022. We'll link to the show notes for some info on that. So our chat with Vicky provides many lessons and learnings for any of our listeners who want to work in sport and perhaps is very relatable to those who already do work in sport, but it's not all business. In speaking with Vicky, we learn about her own path into sport, which started in childhood in Sweden. We learn about tennis school and how that ultimately led to her getting a scholarship to play tennis in college in the United States. We talk about representation in tennis, how the sport is moving towards pay equity, the role of tennis great Billie Jean King, and what her work meant to Vicky and what it means to all women in sport. Throughout our chat, persistence is a key theme as we also hear about how Vicky made the transition from working on the court as an athlete to off the court in sports management. We talk about her early experience working in sport and how that ultimately led to her being part of the team behind bringing the event to the UAE capital. Last but certainly not least, we chat through all the anticipated action of the Mubadla Abu Dhabi Open and why you must go. We get a little explainer on what it means for the event to be a WTA 500 event. We talk about the stars of the event, which this year will include world number six, Tunisia's own Ans Jabor, Naomi Osaka, and Emma Raducanu, just to name a few. It's a really fun and honest chat with Vicky. And before we get into it, we'll leave you with this quote from Billie Jean King. Champions keep playing until they get it right. Enjoy the episode. Uh, Vicky, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for taking out the time because you're coming to us all the way from Miami and it's quite early there at the moment. So thank you so much for uh, joining us today. It's my pleasure and great to meet you after and Don and thank you for all the work you do in, in women's sport. That was our pleasure. Yeah. We're really excited to speak to you uh, on a number of different levels. So you're a senior director for global partnerships and business development at IMG Tennis Events. You have links to the UAE as well. You've lived here for eight years. You're also a key figure in the Mubadla World Tennis Championship, which took place in Abu Dhabi, and also the upcoming Mubadla Abu Dhabi Open, which is set for the 3rd to the 11th of February in 2024 at Zayed Sports City International Tennis Stadium. So we're super excited to chat about all that. 
Yeah, yeah and and I was just going to say uh we've had so many athletes on the podcast and we're so excited to have someone who works behind the scenes because while the perspective of athletes is so powerful everyone who works behind them actually propel them to success so we're really excited to talk about your athletic journey but also what you do in the space of uh, the business of sports now 2024 will be the second year for the mubadala abu dhabi open and we're going to get into those details and your role as as i mentioned bringing it to the uae and set the stage on what people can expect but can you tell us a little bit about the event just to kick it off so we kicked it off last year as the region's middle east premier WTA tournament meaning women's only event it's a 500 tournament uh which measures the points that the players will collect at the tournament so it's a it's a big tournament on a WTA level you have the thousands then you have 500s you have the 250 and it goes down from there right so it's a big event and uh the timing works perfectly for Abu Dhabi it's right after players come back from Australia and it's ahead of Doha and Dubai so we've now created a middle east swing the players love it uh they get to you know how much the players travel throughout the year this way they get to they get to stay in the middle east and play all these three tournaments um so it's very convenient for them and they um they make uh, middle east their home for these three weeks most of them and uh The players that came last year absolutely loved it, so I can only imagine we're going to get a good, good turnout of many of the women uh, top players in the world. And it's the perfect weather to be in the Middle East yes. as well. <laughs> yeah. 100%. So if there was one word that you would use to describe the event, what would it be? Vibrant. <laughs> Vibrant. Yeah. I love it. It's We're wonderful. super excited to check it out when it comes here. So. I've worked in sports communications for the past 13 years or so. It's hard to believe. Yesterday we're recording this just on uh the day after the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix and that's actually where I got my start in the world of sports. And I'm really looking forward to hearing your experience working in sports industry and your role in relation to these events and what fans can expect of the tournament. But we wanted to start at the very very beginning. Did you grow up with sports in your life? Absolutely. <laughs> I I grew up in Sweden with a, a father who was nuts uh, sports nuts. So he introduced me to tennis and uh football, well soccer, football, whatever whatever mm. wherever you come from, um at a very young age. So I played both sports. I also did some track and field um early on. And then I had to choose between the tournaments and uh, I chose tennis. <laughs> right. Yeah, so yeah, I did I did play since I was 7, um played competitively junior tennis in in Sweden. I went to tennis high school, then I went to the US and I landed a full scholarship at the Pac-10, one of the Pac-10 conferences, so University of Oregon. We Amazing. played with Stanford, Cal Berkeley, all these schools. So, um yeah, I got on my room and board and everything covered and I'm very very thankful to that. Oh wow. Now I'm Canadian, so I know Sweden is very very sporty. If you look online, <laughs> I think it says, you know, if there's you do a Google search, it's like 50% of Swedes, 50 to 70% of Swedes play 
sport in some capacity. Being Canadian, though, I often equate Sweden to winter sports and hockey in particular. You mentioned tennis school. Is tennis really popular in Sweden? Yes, it was. It was huge. We had uh, obviously Bjorn Borg, Stefan Edberg, Mats Villander. Uh, we have had Magnus Norman, uh, Björkman. We've had so many, many famous uh, players that have uh, that have won uh, slams, that have uh, competed in the top 10 in the world previously. I, I would say the last five years up to a decade has been a little bit slower in terms of top 10 in the world players. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have still, we have a really, really big depth. Yeah, huge interest for tennis and and sports in general in Sweden. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you also then went to the US and you on a scholarship, as you mentioned, and um, uh, it was it's a Pac-10. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because uh, I think it's part of the highest level of college athletics in the United States. Can you explain that to us? And uh, do you remember when you got that scholarship? Yes, uh, it was like in 97. I actually went to uh, university in Arizona first. Mm. And then I was there for two years and I transferred over to Oregon, which is the highest Pac-10. But it was it was very competitive. We were practicing at least 20 hours a week. Uh, we We traveled every other week uh, to different schools, different uh, different states in the US. And we were normally gone Thursday to Sunday. So we missed a lot of schools and we, we had to study always on the road, in the buses, on the planes. It was quite intense to combine uh, university and, uh, and also play tennis at, at a very high level. So we had, Oregon was amazing. It, it's, uh, it's obviously a Nike school. So uh, Nike was founded at, at the University of Oregon. So it had amazing facilities in general. We had two uh, coaches just for the women's team, a head coach and an assistant coach. And we were 10 people on the team. Oh, wow. And we had a physio that we shared with the men's team. And we had a mental coach, psychologist. Yeah, we had so much resources. And we had a training room right there. So if you needed to eye something, you had any injuries. It's a huge training room right there. And the facilities were just out of this world. So I was very spoiled. I think a lot of that uh, is a lot due to Billie Jean King's work too um, mm. in uh, Title IX. Um, you, you guys might know, but there is a, is a rule in the, in the US but basically saying that the scholarships need to be even to men and women. Mm-hmm. And men's football pulled a lot of scholarships. So it opened up a lot of opportunities for us women to, to get scholarships. And that was just gold worth right for all of us to be able to pursue our careers um i read somewhere or i heard somewhere that the pressure of it all made you want to give it up though yeah yeah i had my my period uh in like when i was 15 i i quit for a while i couldn't take it it was one of those that I don't know what I want anymore. So mm-hmm. I don't want my father to want it for me or any coaches to want it for me. I want to know what I want. And I was missing out on normal stuff in life mm-hmm. uh, going to restaurants, hanging out with my uh, friends. <laughs> so I did a rebel 
rebellious move <laughs> and quit for a couple of years. Yeah. And then came back at it, luckily. What brought you back? I think I just realized that, oh my God, what am I doing here? I'm going nowhere fast. I'm throwing away all those opportunities that have been handed to me or offered to me. That was right before I went to tennis high school, actually. And I turned mm. down the, the scholarship there because I wanted to do nothing, essentially. And then I just bummed around for a bit and realized that, no, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> <laughs> so I got back into it. <laughs> I think that's a lot of athletes that we speak to have some moment where they're like, oh, we're going to step away for a bit. And it's almost like then they see the other side. They're like, no, 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 I want to go back. But it's amazing that that happened at such a young age and you were able to realize that love of sport. I want to go back to Billie Jean King uh, and some of our listeners and maybe some people who don't, you know, are unfamiliar with sports in the United States. And some of them are probably too young. (laughs) to know who she is. Can you tell us a little bit more about who she is and why specifically she's a role model of yours? Just expand upon Title IX and some of the work that she's done. Okay, sure. She's an American tennis player and she fought really hard for equal rights. She was a top top player in the world, competed at the highest levels of all Grand Slams. And she... She was just a pure fighter. She had that match in New York uh, and she she took on a guy, a top level guy. And she Bobby tra- Riggs, right? Is yeah. that who it was? Yeah. Yeah. She, she trained her for that match and she ended up winning. And uh, that was to prove the point that women can do it. And she founded, she was a co founder of, um, of our tournament that we ran in California. She, the, the Mobadla Silicon Valley Classic. Mm-hmm. She uh, was the founder of the WTA Tour, uh, what, what now is the, the women's, premier women's tennis tournament around the world, right? So that was 50 years ago. So she really did so much for tennis. And she also threw, she, it was the original nine, nine women that fought for this together. And she was kind of the leader of the pack to make a long story short. <laughs> but she, uh, yeah, so she fought really hard for it. And she uh, managed to get equal prize money at most of the tournaments in the world too. So I think what she's done has just paved the way for so many of us. And without even realizing, um, and colleges, I remember I, it was the same thing there with equal um, scholarships for men and women. So they fought for that as well. Amazing. Famous quote of hers is, you have to see it to be it, which is something that resonates with both Dawn and myself here mm-hmm. at the medal set. When it comes to representation in this sport, in the sport of tennis, are there other players that you admire in the same way? 100%. I, I honestly think that my, my company, IMG, we represent uh, a lot of the best female or and male talents in the world, right? And, and many of them have had incredible stories, made enormous impact globally on athletes, on equality, uh, so many things. I think tennis is one of the only sports in the world or the only sport in the world that has had two women on the Forbes top 20 list. Mm-hmm. So we've had we've had Serena Williams there, we've had Naomi Osaka there, uh, and they make a lot of money that equal to men, right? In terms of endorsements, price money, etc. 
and yeah it, it takes tennis and a very special woman to do that uh, and I think tennis has paved the way uh, at the biggest slams and and uh, master tournaments uh, price money is equal for men and women and mm -hmm. you don't see that in the other sports essentially so that is huge and I think all these women, uh, due to their different stories, I think it's also a, a great diversity story. When you mm -hmm. see Serena, how she's fought for for black women, and Naomi too being Asian, um, that's such a good story, right? So it just proves that anybody can do it if you mm -hmm. put your mind to it and you work really hard for it. So for me, all these athletes, Maria Sharapova too, and... Uh, Coco Gauff, now new role model, Ans Jabeur, that's unheard of that a woman from Tunisia is coming up. Like she had zero role models in, in, in locally in Tunisia, right? And had to do it all on her own and prove to everybody that yes, women can play tennis. Yes, you don't have to follow a traditional mm -hmm. female role, right? And that makes it even more so impressive to break it into the top five in the world, right? Yeah. So all 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 these women are enormous role models for me. Yeah. On that note, I mean, Anz inspires me. I'm a lot older than her, but I'm like, oh, she's yeah. just, every time I see her, she's making me a tennis fan. So I can imagine, you know, many women and girls in the region seeing themselves and her and what, you know, their potential is as well. Um, so she's going to be at the Mabadla Abu Dhabi Open, yeah, <laughs> which makes it even more exciting. Um, and again, for those listening, it's 3rd to the 11th of February, 2024. And you are one of the key figures behind this tournament through your work at IMG. We want to know more about your role and how you made the, the switch, you know, from playing tennis into the other side, the business side of, of tennis and sport. Did you start your career at IMG? Like, how does one go from athlete then to sports management professional? Sure. So I, I've played tennis all my life. When I came home to Sweden in the summers, when I studied in the U.S., I, my, my dad was the tournament director for a local community event that we had in my hometown uh, in Sweden. So I joined forces with him. I helped out. I really enjoyed it. I learned a lot from it. So that became natural to me. And then when I graduated from college in the US, I went and did my master's in Sweden. I made sure I did it with something I had a lot of passion for and that could pave a way for something I wanted to do in the future, which at that time was working in the sports management um, industry. So um, tennis, Swedish Tennis Association turned to me and asked if I could research a the feasibility in running a WTA tournament in in uh, Gothenburg, Sweden. So I took it on. I looked at at budgets, economic consequences for the city, uh, interest from sponsors, media, and so I wrote a stakeholders approach to an event. So that paved the way to a lot of knowledge and also a lot of contacts because I interviewed a lot of tournament directors throughout. Mm -hmm. I love that. <laughs> so that. That set me up quite well in an early age. And did they? Did you have the event then in Gothenburg? We didn't have the event, but they brought me on to work on the Volvo Ocean Race. Nice, nice. So, yeah, the Gothenburg Visitor Board, who also was part of sponsoring my my thesis a bit, they they brought me on to do that. 
So, um, yeah, I worked on Volvo Ocean Race and then I got a call from the tournament director at the time in at the Stockholm Open to say that I know you wanted to work in tennis ideally and I got an opportunity. Would you, would you want to move to Stockholm and take it? And I said, yes, absolutely. Amazing. <laughs> so I did it. Yeah. Yeah. So since then see... I've been with IMG. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Um, so do you see any... Um... parallels to your life as a tennis player to what you do in sports management and any transferable lessons from tennis into sports management 100% i think as an athlete you have a lot of skills that are so valuable i mean first of all it's the mindset right uh, the ability to set goals and and stick to a plan and i would say discipline too discipline is so important i if anything i learned that very hardly in in playing college tennis you had to take advantage of every 5 minutes essentially of planning your day so that you can manage both studying and playing tennis at the highest level so um i i think a lot of those skills are very transferable like when you work in sports too you have to be a good planner and be disciplined and uh you have to have a lot of other skills as well <laughs> empathy listening skills all yeah. those things but <laughs> but i think it definitely it's very transferable mm-hmm. as a woman in sports management typically like everything else very male dominant um have you had to or do you did you feel like you had to keep proving yourself uh in this space when you started off at least yeah 100% think in the beginning of my career in fact you you spend a lot of time proving and proving and and you know delivering and delivering and i feel like as a woman you have to deliver four times more than a man to get the next promotion or something you will eventually get there but a man tend to be promoted more based on talent that they can do it and we need to deliver and deliver and deliver so that that's been quite proven and i've seen that many times in my career <laughs> and do you remember a time when that persistence either you know as a nature of yours or just the very fact that you have to work harder to prove yourself has paid off in in the profession 100% I think I got the tournament director positions that way. I've gotten a lot of uh, opportunities to I mean I moved with a company right from Sweden to the UAE and then UAE to US and all of that has to do with persistence and advocating for yourself and finally you get it. Take some time but <laughs> yeah. 100%. Now, the Mubadala World Tennis Championship was held here. Was that the precursor to the Ab- Mubadala Abu Dhabi Open? And it was completely separate. I mm. would say I was part of setting that tournament up 14 years ago and uh and in the year 2009 actually. And um it's been running since for 14 years. Uh extremely successful event with uh, the top top men initially top 6 men and then we added women 6 years or so ago and uh yeah we had an an exhibition between two women on the first day and that became very popular and successful as well yes yeah. so i'm very proud of that <laughs> yeah i remember that one having lived in abu dhabi and also yeah just 
I love I love Abu Dhabi. I have a great affinity in my heart for Abu Dhabi. So I do remember that event very, very well. But moving on to the Mabadla Abu Dhabi Open, how did that come about? Like, what is your exact role now? And how did that event all, you know, come to be? Yeah. So we had, uh, during COVID, we spent a lot of time moving some of our events because of COVID. There was... Um, some events that couldn't run. Uh, in this particular instance, it was a sanction that we had uh, in St. Petersburg, Russia, that mm -hmm. couldn't run at the moment. Um, COVID, it was the war, it was a lot of things. So we had to uh, find a new home for it. And we knew having worked with, with Abu Dhabi, uh, various stakeholders for a long time, that they wanted a, um, a big tour event. So mm -hmm. this opportunity came about and they jumped on it. It was a great opportunity for all of us. You've uh, mentioned the importance of teamwork and nothing is possible. No such big event is possible without a team, a strong team and a leader with the strong team. Mm -hmm. And building this team, it requires, like you mentioned, discipline, communication skills and all of that in one place. Um, do you approach it like a coach would approach uh, a team? Yeah, <laughs> I think we have to. I mean, and, and, and the end of the day, I've not been alone in this journey, right? There's so many people that have that have contributed. We have a great uh, international tennis team that have been part of every step of this um, and supported. Uh, we also we manage a lot of the athletes as well, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, the agents have helped us with players. Uh, I've had various bosses of IMG Tennis Globally that have helped us uh, make it happen. Um, tournament directors in other parts of the world have shipped in. And so we've all done this together, I want to say. And then we've had a couple of managing directors locally in the Middle East through the time I've been there who've been very instrumental to this as well. So um certainly not a one person show <laughs> it's a teamwork but and i think that's also why we've been able to put it off uh, successfully work with the strong local partners and mm -hmm. and also yeah with a team that we were within to to work on all those skill sets we've been we have a big sponsor team globally that have offices in every part of the world essentially so we've been able to attract sponsors from from everywhere in the world and uh, we have marketing teams we have you know I, I think some of those opportunities you can't pull off in a short time without being able to pull into those resources right mm -hmm. so been, we've been very fortunate that way so we ask our guests before the episode a couple of questions and one of the questions is how would you describe yourself the word that you gave us was grinder uh, I'd like you to explain a little bit what that means uh, and whether this is also a management style of yours uh, and how that supports what the mission is with your tennis events. <laughs> Excellent question. Now you're putting me on a spot. <laughs> I think the term uh, grinder for me has been explaining that kind of mentality I was telling you about that. I've had to fight a lot. I feel I've had to fight a lot in my career for the opportunities. Um, 
it's everything from going to the US. I had to put in a lot of research that the language didn't come natural to me. I've had to, I think I failed one of those tests that I needed to take the SAT test before I came to, <laughs> to uh, the US. My English wasn't good. My math helped that that was better, but I've just, everything I've done, I've just had to really fight for, right? <laughs> the next, the next promotion, the next move, the, and what, what we talked about before, for, for some people it came come easier. And as a woman, you have to, you have to really prove and um, mm -hmm. deliver over and over again. In so the I sports management uh, in the sports management arena, do you see yeah. that changing though? Because you started off a long time back. Are yeah. you seeing that change for women though? I think women become better at uh, utilizing skills and we're trained better nowadays too uh, to advocate for ourselves. There's a lot of management courses, right? And I think also learning how to to communicate is important. Like there is there is statistics that if a woman is direct, it can be perceived as aggressive yeah. rather than... Uh, then clear or uh, concise right but yeah. if a male brings it up exactly the same way they are not perceived as unlikable and there is statistic to show that this a person a man that phrase the statement exactly the same is more like than the woman so mm -hmm. we have to find other ways of expressing that thought that is focusing on intent that that talks around it for us mm -hmm. to get our point across in an effective way mm -hmm. and that might not be fair but it's it's a uh, it's proven right so mm -hmm. if you know how to work around these things you can you can succeed it's sad that it has to be that way but mm -hmm. i've i've seen evidence of that's how it is and i think women now are trained to cope better with it mm -hmm. So that's been a huge help. Yeah. <laughs> I've been guilty of, <laughs> I've been, uh, I've been guilty. Some I've been told before I'm very <laughs> direct. I'm like, well, I just, I, I communicate the same way to everyone. <laughs> this isn't an old job of mine. Um, but yeah. a few people who maybe would have been men took exception mm -hmm. to it <laughs> anyways, but things are changing. I think, you know, people are changing and things are changing as well. Um, and I think more, the more we see other women in the sports industry, it's just going to get better and better. Um, yeah. and that becomes less of an issue for us, hopefully. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. No, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so you've seen both sides of the fence, really, when it comes to tennis. Is there more action on the court or off of it? <laughs> For me nowadays? Yes, when it comes to work. I spend more time definitely in the office than I do on the court. Yeah. <laughs> but I do, I do something every day actively. I do think that's very important. Mm. So I make sure I keep myself fit and active. If, I, if I'm not out on my bike or running or swimming, I'm, I'm playing tennis or paddle now as well. Yeah. So. Oh, cool. yeah. I actually meant with that question in terms of sports, do you find it more exhilarating working in sports than actually competing? <laughs> oh, um, no. <laughs> I do both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely a doer. I think... I mean, although I do love going to live events and mm. I like watching it, I get my thrill out of doing it. 
Yeah. I want to be part of it. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Whether it's organizing it or, or, you know, actively competing in a tennis match or out for a run or with a team or something. I, I definitely want to be out doing it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I was yeah. just looking yesterday, reminiscing myself personally, watching all of the F1. You know, I didn't go this year, but I was like, wow, I really should have savored it a lot more when I was working on those, those <laughs> events. <laughs> Some you're of the pretty much running around when when you're behind the scenes. You're just running around on an in an event, right? You cannot actually <laughs> enjoy the enjoy actual moment. moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do I'm, you ever I'm, get the opportunity though to just be outside watching a match instead of yeah. like? And I've been I've become better at that the last few years. Mm -hmm. um, back to what we were talking about. I think I spent most days in my early career just working too hard almost that I didn't get to enjoy any of the action I was busy just doing what I thought I needed to do to impress everybody whilst I found a lot of my male counterparts definitely taking the time to watch it I certainly did not so and I realized that you know what I'm in this for a reason and obviously I love what I do but you you got to take the advantage to enjoy it a little bit too because that's, mm -hmm. that's the whole reason why you're there too right yeah so, yeah 100 um, yeah <laughs> so speaking about on-court action right tell us a little bit about what people can expect at the Mubadla Abu Dhabi Open um the players that are coming and who we should be keeping an eye out for yeah so for sure we're gonna have many of the world's top 10 uh competing at the highest level I find women's tennis very vibrant. It's everything from you watch all those feelings of success, wanting to achieve competitiveness. Uh, female tennis is vibrant in the way that they express themselves, the clothes they wear, the you, you, you see the mental struggles, right? So there's so much, tennis is a, it's a great sport that displays strategy uh, competitiveness physical appearance physical uh, competitiveness it puts it all at once right mm -hmm. so you have so much to look for when you're watching a player a particular match how do they handle themselves emotionally how do they deal with their mindset um, all of those things I find this very interesting to watch we talked about Anz earlier you know and I'm a, a huge fan it, mm -hmm. like I said she's making me a tennis fan can you explain what you think it is about her in particular that makes her a fan favorite besides being a wonderful role model from this region? I, for me, I think she's got something, I don't know, you know, besides her talent, there's something about her that I find really endearing and, and captivating. Yeah. I mean, first of all, she's done what no other woman in the Muslim world or Arab world have ever done. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's just amazing and then on top of that she is just a very charismatic human being she has a way of her to be super naturally soft funny she gets everyone with her with her charisma mm -hmm. so people love her <laughs> yeah yeah uh, you touched upon this very briefly when we started our conversation. Uh, this event falls under the Women's Tennis Association, so players can get points. 
uh, for tennis newbies and in that that includes me I mean. uh, tell us a little <laughs> bit and don tell us a little bit about the point system in general uh, through this yeah so tennis works on a year basis you collect points throughout the whole year and obviously the slams and the master tournaments you collect the most points and then at 500 you can get the winner will get around roughly 500 points and so on um so the longer you advance in the tournament the more points you collect mm -hmm. and uh, it also it resets the following year so uh, somebody that has won the same tournament the year prior it was belinda bensich in our case last year would have the most points to defend etc mm -hmm. so that's kind of how how it works it's like a rolling calendar um mm -hmm. That goes through a year and and, and uh, players collect points. And then towards the end of the year, you have a WTA finals. So the top eight will qualify to that Amazing. based on points. So how does the, the tournament in Abu Dhabi compare to tennis tournaments in other parts of the world? I think uh, it's it's a competitive tournament. It's a, mm. it's a 500, so it's a high level. It's run very, very professionally. There are the best stakeholders in the world, I would mm -hmm. say, in Abu Dhabi. You have the support of Mubadala, uh, the Sovereign Wealth Fund, very professional to work with. Their whole team gets behind it. We work mm -hmm. with them in many other areas of the world. And uh, they are extremely behind it. Everything from their employees show up and they use their asset companies, etc. And Abu Dhabi Sports Council are amazing to work with too. It's mm -hmm. without their contacts and network and everything they do for the event, we couldn't have put put these events on. And yeah. the prize pool for this event is nine hundred thousand mm -hmm. dollars. Mm -hmm. um, how does that compare to events around the world? So it's the same prize money as other WTA five hundred mm -hmm. uh, on this structure globally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Um, tennis on that, tennis is one of the sports and you touched upon it earlier, has made great strides in pay parity, but it's not quite there yet across the board. Yeah. What more do you think needs to be done to ensure that women in, in tennis get paid equally to men everywhere all the time? <laughs> yeah. So I think tennis come a long way. The bigger tournaments on the slams and master level have actually achieved the equal price money. It's the lower level tournaments that have not quite yet, but WTA has done a fantastic job of making sure there is a, um, a platform plan. So mm -hmm. in the future, um, at 500 levels, for example, in three years, it should be caught up. So there is a plan towards making that happen with equal price money. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of it is, I think, the athletes are understanding for the most part that they need to also keep working with media to be available at the interviews so that mm. tennis becomes women's tennis becomes more attractive, uh, interesting to uh, watch. And uh, they're behind it. They understand it uh, because we need them to be top stars and, and be uh, known <laughs> globally for people to tune in. Right. So. It's interesting to see that events nowadays go beyond the purpose of just hosting a match or a competition. They're very purpose-driven. Um, they're 
engaging the community in different ways, either at a level where you bring in the youngsters into the sport or on an environmental level. So with that, I wanted to ask you a little bit about the road to the open. Can you tell us a little bit about this initiative and what it's trying to achieve? Yeah, we we really um, have put our head into um, community programs. The event is really a platform to tap into and grow more local um, children, kids. Uh, in this case, for the Mubadala World Tennis Championship, we had schools programs and we had Community Cup that we ran for combined uh, 14 years now to pave the way to, to get the community more active uh, away from obesity and um, and all those challenges, right? To be more aware of the importance of moving and sports and mm-hmm. tennis. So we have worked on this for 14 years uh, with the Mubadla World Tennis Championship. Now with the Mubadla Abu Dhabi Open, we have done it together with the uh, UA Tennis Federation. Mm-hmm. So it's focusing uh, mainly on athletes that have already started to play and we have a great partnership with them and Mubadala to uh, kind of create a pathway for them to invest. We're investing a little bit more into uh, competitive tennis in the UAE and these athletes have a chance to make it to the Mubadala Abu Dhabi Open. There's going to be tournaments around there too that they can qualify to. And uh, we're, we're part of it for every step on the way for them. And we also have some wildcard opportunities. So if you succeed in these grassroots opportunities, you have a chance to actually play with the best in the world, right? So that, wow. that's pretty, yeah. That is so exciting. Yeah, that is exciting. And a fantastic springboard. Tennis. Yeah. 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 100%. Off court. And I think this is something that I've seen Abu Dhabi in particular do very, very well is along with, you know, putting off world-class athletic competitions and events. In Abu Dhabi, there tends to be a real festival atmosphere around these events. Can you talk us through what fans can expect off-court in terms of entertainment at the Mubadla Abu Dhabi Open? 100%. So we have a big team working on the event all year round, operational team. We work with the venue also, and we really drill down into... What food do we serve, for example, and uh, make sure that it caters to every every person, right? The the health conscious, uh, the, the the kids. Uh, so we we offer a lot of unique touch points. Uh, we have sit down opportunities. We we serve everything from the burger to uh, nice uh, burritos or. Uh, hummus and <laughs> the uh, Arabic uh, food, right? So you have you have everything. And uh, so we, we want people to go there, have fun, be able to spend the whole day there uh, watching tennis practices, get up close to the fans. Uh, we have autograph uh, booths we, where you can get autographs from the players, photo booths. We have, you can watch clinics, players playing in the clinics, get really up close to them. And um, and then we have matches on from early in the morning till late at night, right? So it's a great place to network, and you can be in the hospitality area, sipping your champagne if you're if you're into that, or you can also be out and uh, chasing the autographs. And we have like cooking classes, we have fun stuff on on the stage every day. 
with the players and we will have some women workshop uh, seminars too. We haven't announced yet, but we're going to work with some foundations and bring some of the top networkers, women, female uh, role models uh, in the world as well. So there's going to be opportunities. Mm-hmm. Oh, exciting. Yeah. yeah. And you're engaging uh, young people in different ways as well, because the Fan Village will have an art exhibition uh, with student art in it. Can uh-huh. you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so that's something that our team are actually working on at the moment to flesh out these plans. I don't know too many details okay. about it, but there's certainly going to be all those aspects as well. Yes, yeah. we also make uh, we have we're working on efforts to make it environmentally friendly. So mm. that's something we put a lot of effort into, and uh, we are speaking of technologies and innovations. We're looking into that too. Can't reveal anything on that side either at at this very moment, but. Obviously, AI and those technologies become more uh, prominent now. So we are uh, we want to be at the forefront of testing things out at the Mobile Lab Dhabi Open. It sounds like it's going to be an amazing event. We're really excited to check it out. How can fans get tickets? Yes, yeah, so you can go on the uh, website mobadlabdhabiopen.com uh, and uh, you can find it there. Fantastic. Wiki, thank you so much. It's been amazing speaking to you today and learning more about the Open, but also kind of learning about your background and how you got into sports management and the persistence it takes, uh, especially as a woman, to get to the position that you're in. Um, and there's so many parallels when it comes to like business and sports, as you brought up during the show. Uh, all requiring a certain level of grit. And we often ask our guests this, do they think that grit is something innate in them or that they learn uh, along the way? A hundred percent. I think it comes in with the discipline and, and uh, you, you either have it or you're, you don't a little bit in the beginning, but then mm-hmm. you have to fine tune it and, and work around it because you will get different challenges uh, along your career path that you're tested and that's where you have to pull it out and keep keep fine-tuning it <laughs> nice i've got a couple more questions yeah one who's your favorite tennis player who are you cheering on or can you are you do you have to remain neutral <laughs> at the moment i would i want to say coco gauff on the mm. women's side I think she she's a perfect example of an amazing athlete who has so much to offer. She's an amazing athlete, explosiveness. Uh, she's got endurance. She's she's working really really hard, and she has a good. She carries herself very well mentally, and uh, she's she's young, but she has that composure, ability to compose herself, mm. and keep at it in a very thankful manner um, and she also is amazing off the court to express herself extremely well um, and Anz Jabura I've told you guys already I, I'm a huge fan of hers and I also think on the men's side I love Carlos Alcaraz now mm-hmm. I think he's amazing um, Just he's got it all when it comes to explosiveness and uh, just the way that he fights and uh, elegant style. Um, so he, he's he got it all for me. Mm-hmm. I think tennis is one of those sports that just, it breeds really nice athletes, you know, like really <laughs> likable 
um, fantastic, charismatic people come out of tennis. You know, every now and again, there's a bad boy. I don't know if there's any, you know, the quote unquote bad boys, but I don't have any like, you know, bad girls there are of tennis. But yeah, it's one of those sports I've always looked upon as having real true role models. And Afshan and I often talk about, you know, you mentioning Coco Gauff and how, um, composed she is and how well-spoken and how all the young people <laughs> we seem to talk to have this innate ability to just express themselves so beautifully, uh, you know, to audiences that re it's really, really endearing. I wanted to ask you as well, working in sports as a young, you know, looking back on, on your career and how you got started, if there was any advice that you would give to other young women, or maybe not even young, young women, but women who maybe want to enter into the world of sports management? Yeah, I think definitely find your role models, uh, I think are important and take the opportunity to encourage to ask people that are in the industry for advice for help, right? Don't be afraid to contact them and set up a phone call, uh, ask questions, because in the end of the day, that's how you learn. And you always get some tips on what to study, how to prepare for a role. Mm -hmm. Try new things, even if it's not exactly what you want to do. You, you learn as you go what you're good at, what you enjoy doing, and uh, never give up. Because I think, uh, right, once we... Once we stick to our dreams, we will achieve it one day or the other. <laughs> Absolutely. And last before we go, sorry, one more. <laughs> Is there yeah. anything we didn't cover today that you'd like to share with us or any last thoughts about tennis or the upcoming event that we, we didn't touch upon? I think you covered it. I'm excited to see you guys there and yeah. hopefully you'll be part of our uh, all our initiatives that we're running. Whether we it that. be the women's seminar um, and all the interesting mm. panels and discussions we will have around that. I hope to see you guys there. Yeah, yeah. we're looking the, forward to it. I think UAE has always had a massive tennis fan base and that just keeps growing, especially with initiatives like yours around the community. So um, good luck for it all for this entire season. And yeah, we absolutely look forward to seeing you in Abu Dhabi very soon. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, we ask that you please share it with family, teammates, friends, and even frenemies, or share via social media. Please also leave us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Five stars only. And visit us on themetalset.com for more stories and resources. Thanks again for listening. Your support means the world to us. This is The Metal Set.